There's the phrase, it's just words. It's a phrase that you may have heard a bit over the last few months in the political rhetoric. It's, it's a phrase that is often said in a very dismissive way that says it's just words, as if the words really are not that important. It's the actions that are behind the words that are important. It really doesn't matter what kind of words we use. In Hamlet, uh, he's asked the question of what he's reading, and he's, his response is, words, 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 implying that what we read, the words that we read, really aren't that important, really don't say that much. They're really quite meaningless. We're told what is really important by a person's deeds, not by the things that they say. But if we focus only in on action and forget to focus in on the words, there is a loss of the creative expression and the power that comes through that expression in words. If we were to say something like, I have a dream, immediately you know what is being referred to. And you know the power that comes behind those words. Or if I were to say four score and seven years ago, you would know immediately what is being referred to and the power that comes through words. Whatever your opinion of Donald Trump, you know that words are powerful, especially in the world of Twitter. Whenever Phrases are used to place names on opponents specifically and how those names would stick to those opponents. So phrases like crooked Hillary and lying Ted and little Marco and low energy Jeb are all things that amazingly stuck in the political rhetoric and in the minds of people. Words have real power. They have a, a, an ability to change things. They can be used creatively. They can be used, unfortunately, very viciously. Words have this creative power that can change the world. And as readers of the Bible, we, we know that words are powerful. Words are used in different ways. We call this the Bible, the Word of God. Now, it's not a dictionary of words. It's an expression of God. It's the, the creative expression of who he is for us today. From beginning to end, the Bible gives us this, this testimony of the power of God's accomplishments, the power of who he is through the word. Genesis starts in the creation story where the word of God is the very thing that creates life. In Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light. And because he spoke a word, there was light. And each day of creation, God spoke a true, truly creative word as he expressed himself through creation. In Isaiah, God speaks of the power of his word, and he says that, that his word will not return empty, that it will accomplish all the things that he desires, that it will achieve his purposes for which he was sent, that the word of God is powerful and it will accomplish what he sets out to do. And so this phrase, it's just words, certainly does not apply to God. 
For God, words are actions. Words are deeds. Words are a creative movement of who he is. God's words actually accomplish his goals and the things that he wants. And so the power of God's word becomes even clearer for us in this introductory chapter of the Gospel of John. Through the, chapter, through the first chapter, we have this three-part introduction of the Gospel. In verses 1 through 18, we have this, this beautiful celebration of Jesus' origin and his coming into the world, and it's unlike any of the other birth narratives that we see. And then in verses 19 through 34, we see that there is this witness of John the Baptist witnessing, testifying to who Jesus is. And then in verses 35 through 51, we have this gathering of Jesus' first disciples. And so this provides for us the framework for the rest of the gospel. My very first sermon here was on verses 19 through 51 as we talked about what it means to follow Jesus. And so today we focus in on the first 18 verses and say, what is it that Jesus is coming for? Who is he? And so I've asked Esther to come up and, and read this passage for us, to read us these first 18 verses, because it is a beautiful introduction. It's a poetic introduction to the Gospel of John, and it needs to be heard not just read. We'll have the text up on the screen, but I want to encourage you to listen. Don't read. Listen to these words. Listen to the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things that came into being came through him. Without him, not one thing has come into being. And what came into being in him was life. And that life was the light of the world. And the light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not overcome it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came to witness, to, bring test, to testify to the light so that all might believe in him. He himself was not the light, but he came to witness to the light. The true light that enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to that which was his own, and his own people did not accept him, but to those who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born 
not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but born of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Now John testified and cried out, This is the one of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. The law indeed came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No, no one has ever seen God. It is God the Son who is at the Father's heart who has made him known. So the word. The word comes in and it does not return to God empty. The word comes and accomplishes God's goals. The word comes in and it becomes flesh and it dwells among us, lives among us. The word comes and is full of grace, but full of truth as well. Words have the power to bring light into darkness. Words have the power to accomplish God's purposes, to deliver a much-needed message of grace and truth to us. They are powerful. They are right and good. They can even change the world. And so we see in these first 18 verses these themes that are introduced that will show up throughout John that we'll be talking about for the next uh, several weeks these themes of life and light and darkness, witness, truth, world, knowledge, acceptance and rejection, children of God, glory, Father and Son. These all show up in these 18 verses and, and will be fleshed out over the course of the next several weeks as we, we go through the chapters of John. But in, the, in this prologue, we find this this cosmic pre-existence of the word that that the word is eternal the the word has been there from the very beginning but we also see in in this that the word has a relationship with the world that there's also this temporal side of it we have the eternal existing from the very beginning, but then we have the, the coming in and becoming flesh existing here with us. And so there is this intertwined story of the celebration and the, of the origin of Jesus. As, and, and then we have this very human character of John the Baptist who comes in and brings testimony to Jesus. And so this is the beginning point of Jesus' ministry. This is the starting point. It's, it's different than what we would expect with the other Gospels. He comes in and he is beyond time and beyond history, but at the same time, he comes in to a very specific 
time and a very specific history. This is the start of Jesus' ministry. It's eternal, but it also exists at a particular time. And so when we say the word, it can bring to mind a lot of different things. When we, we use the word, word, I can say this is my Kindle, and that has a certain definition of what it is, or, or this, is, this is the color black, and, and that word black describes something for you, or, or we can describe the color of carpet. I'm not going to go with the color of carpet, but it brings to mind lots of different things. When you use a word, it means something. But here, John is using this word in a very different way. He, he adapts a word that is being used in, in Jewish writings of his time. Uh, it's, it's used in a way that, that talks about the creative plan of God, that the word is the creative plan of God that governs the world. But he really is adapting it for a special use in this unique context where he's talking about the word as the revelation of God. The revelation of God in Jesus. In many ways, the word is God's self-expression. He is an artist using the word to express who he is. And so we see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we see God. We see and hear Jesus and we hear God. The two are one. God is using his word that existed from the very beginning to express who he is. And so God expresses himself with Jesus, who brings life and light into the world to humanity. And through this expression of who God is, we see the glory of God. The definition of glory that I love is the awe-inspiring, indescribable presence of God. That is the glory of God. It is awe-inspiring. It is indescribable. It is the presence of God. And in Jesus, the glory of God is revealed. The manifest presence of God is now visible in Jesus. And so, as we encounter Jesus through the Gospel of John, we are confessing we have seen his glory that we see the awe-inspiring, indescribable presence of God through his word, through Jesus. And so the prologue is not just a message that, that gives us this sense of hope, a sense of direction, a sense of purpose. But the prologue is the message. It is the word of God. It is the word of hope. And this story is woven together and intertwined, and it's an important message for us today. The biggest message that we see here is, is that Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme above all other things. That he is the word of God. He existed from the beginning. He and God are one. Jesus is not one savior among many, he isn't just one good man among many. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is divine. He is everything. Dallas Willard has this great description of, of how brilliant Jesus is. 
the genius of Jesus, how he is above all things. It's kind of a long quote, but I, I think it so well defines who Jesus is for us. So listen to these words from Dallas Willard. Our commitment to Jesus can stand on no other foundation than recognition that he is the one who knows the truth about our lives and our universe. It is not possible to trust Jesus or anyone else in matters where we do not believe them to be competent. We cannot pray for his help and rely on his collaboration in dealing with real-life matters we suspect might defeat his knowledge or abilities. And can we seriously imagine that Jesus could be Lord if he were not smart? If he were divine, would he be dumb or uninformed? Once you stop to think about it, how could he be what we take him to be in all other respects and not be the best informed and most intelligent person of all, the smartest person who ever lived? That is exactly how his earliest apprentices in, in kingdom living thought of him. He was not regarded as perhaps a magician, one who only knew the right words to get results without understanding of who could effectively manipulate appearances. Rather, he was regarded as the ultimate scientist, the ultimate craftsman and artist. The biblical and continuing vision of Jesus was the one who made all of created reality and kept it working, literally holding it together. And today we think people who are who today we think people are smart who make light bulbs and computer chips and rockets out of stuff already provided. He made the stuff. At the very literal and mundane level, Jesus knew how to transform the molecular structure of water to make it into wine. That knowledge allowed him to take a few pieces of bread and fish and feed thousands of people. He knew how to transform the tissues of the human body from sickness to health and from death to life. He knew how to suspend gravity, interrupt weather patterns, to eliminate unfruitful trees that he saw or without a saw or an axe. He only needed a word. Surely he must be amused at what Nobel Prizes are awarded for today. In the ethical domain, he brought together an understanding of life that has influenced world thought more than any other. And one of the greatest testimonies of his intelligence is surely that he knew how to enter physical death, actually to die, and then live on beyond death. He sees death by the throat and defeated it. Forget cryonics. All these things show Jesus' practical mastery of every phase of reality, physical, moral, spiritual. He is master only because he is maestro. Jesus is Lord can mean little in practice if anyone who has to hesitate before saying Jesus is smart. He's not just nice. He's not... He, he's not just nice, he is brilliant. He always has the best information on everything, and certainly also on the things that matter most in human life. The Word is God. And the Word becomes flesh 
and who God is is revealed to us through Jesus. And Jesus is smart. Jesus is supreme. Jesus was there when things were formed in the very beginning. He's experienced life and death and resurrection. And so as we read through the first 18 verses of John, we know that Jesus is divine. Jesus is supreme. But then there's also this flip side of that too. There is a rejection of Jesus. That Jesus comes into the world and the world does not recognize him. His own did not know who he was. And they reject him. It's not an easy task for Jesus to come in and dwell among the people because they're people. We have a hard time dwelling with other people, right? And so Jesus comes in to dwell with other people and he has to overcome this tremendous resistance, this tremendous rejection before he can change the world. Jesus is the light and he's coming into the darkness He's the medicine and the cure for the human condition that we so desperately need, but people love the darkness that they're in. They like to sit with the lights out. The world is not eagerly awaiting God to express himself and make himself known and revealed. We like the dark places that we live in. We don't like the light to invade into those places. And so we think of the sin that, that, that separates us from Jesus and, and the things that we do that reject who Jesus is. And sin is not a, a series of bad choices that we make, but, but sin is really about being in a state of being where we continually make bad choices. And so we see God revealed in Jesus. But we like our darkness. We don't recognize the light. We reject the light. But in that rejection, God continues to make himself known. And the third thing we learn through these, this prologue is that transformation comes through Jesus. That yes, Jesus is divine and supreme, but, but we reject Jesus. But, but if we will receive the message, if we will see the light, and if we will embrace that, then transformation is ours to be had. There are those who don't reject God. There are those who see the word and embrace the word. Through Jesus, God shows off his glory and shows off his grace it's central to who he is, that in his grace and truth we are invited in. Because of Jesus, humankind can, can regain the glory and the grace that it once had in creation. And so God shows us his heart through Jesus, his desire for us, what he wants for us. And so transformation begins when a word is received. We receive that word and we start to believe that word. I have a dream was powerful because people heard it, they received it, and they started to believe it. Words have power 
when it's received, when it's believed. And so when we receive what God is saying to us through Jesus, when we embrace that, when we believe in him, our lives are changed forever. The Lord gives us power to become children of God, gives us a way to discover how we are eternally loved and how we are guided by the one who has created us. God wants to do something in us. God desires to to be in us, to transform us. It's not the fruit of our own work. It's God working in us. God takes the initiative by sending his son, Jesus. He becomes flesh. He shows us who he is. Jesus becomes the most world-changing of words. And through that word, transformation happens. Jesus enters the world bearing truth, bearing grace in order to transform anyone who would receive him. In many ways, Jesus turns the light on for us. He is the light entering into a dark place, and and we, we turn the light on to see the world around us for what it is. And we are able to relate to God and relate to the world in ways that we were not able to before. When we sit in a dark room and it is dark outside, there is a window that we can see through. And and it's easy to see what's going on outside of the window as long as you are sitting in the dark. But you turn the lights on in that room and now that window becomes more of a mirror than it does a window. You can't really see outside very well. It reflects what's going on inside of the room. And so Jesus does the same thing. In some ways, he is a window into the world, but he's also a mirror that reflects back on who we are and what we're called to be. Once we have been exposed to the word of God, once we see him, once we receive the word, and once we believe the word, we're transformed by the word. We receive it. We believe it. We're transformed by it. And through that, we become children of God. We become adopted into the family. We're, we're given a glimpse of the world-changing work of God. The light is turned on for us. And we have a fresh perspective of God. We have a fresh perspective of his desires for the world A new way is found. A new truth is found. A new life is found. And so the word of God gives us a new life. Gives us a new family to belong to. The word is full of grace. Full of truth. And those aren't just words, but they are a new reality that God is creating through Jesus the Word of God. Let's be standing together. We're going to spend some time in prayer now and spend some time just encouraging one another. It's an opportunity for us to confess our belief in God, opportunity for us to remind each other of what we believe in. We talked about that last week, that oftentimes we need to be reminded the things that we believe. 
And my hope is that, that this morning as we read through this prologue of the Gospel of John, we're reminded of who God is and we're reminded of the power that he has to bring change into our lives. That because of the word, God reveals himself, he, he expresses his desires for us. And that becomes so transformative. We have a new life in him. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for the message that John gives us. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to, to hear your word. God, we thank you for sending your word. We pray that we will have life in him, that we will be transformed now that the light has come on, now that we see the world and we see you through Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.